great to be here this morning. What a wonderful opportunity, what a wonderful blessing that we have to, to come together as the church. We have quite a few missing today, but we have quite a few visitors. And we're especially glad that you're here uh, this morning. I appreciate very much uh, the prayer on my behalf. It's certainly my prayer that the things that I've studied will, will come into my, my remembrance. I'm hoping that the nerves will go away here in a few minutes, and I will have that, that calmness that was prayed about this morning. I appreciate that uh, very much. You know, we're about to wrap up another year. As, as hard as it is sometimes to, to think about that, to wrap my mind around it. You know, it's December the 22nd, and we're about to close out another one. You know, I've, I've been told and always told that the older you get, the faster time goes. And it really, really seems that way. And another year has come and gone. You know, with the closing of the year, we often think about, well, what has this last year been like? What have I accomplished? What do I need to do different? What kind of effect have I had on other people? How have I been helpful to the church? And maybe some of these questions, I hope they come around. You know, they, they, they come around to me as I think about the close of a year. Maybe I need to do some things different. You know, this is a time when many people set those New Year's resolutions. You know, people set those things because change is hard. Change is hard. We know there's things that need to be different in our life, but it's hard. You know, we may, we, probably one of the most popular things is to lose a few pounds. But that's hard because we're going to have to change something. We're going to have to change what we've been doing. We're going to have to deny ourselves of something that we've been doing, that we enjoy, that maybe a little too much of, and do things a little different. And that's always hard. Brother Mark Hayes uh, preached here a few weeks ago, and he talked about uh, uh, us as Christian ambassadors. And he mentioned in that lesson, making a change. He talked about that a little bit, and I've thought about that quite a bit um, since, he, since he spoke briefly on that, and I've been working on this lesson, about making a change. You know, sometimes we may just feel that we're just, we're stuck. We're stuck in where we are, stuck in, stuck in our, our job, stuck in something that's just not going forward like we want it to. But you know, the most important thing are those spiritual things. And sometimes we may feel that we're kind of stuck in neutral spiritually. We would like to discuss those things for a while this morning about progressing forward. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 11, it says, Then he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of stature, of the fullness of Christ. 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There's a lot packed in that passage. We want to look at things a little closer here. We're going to go back to verse 11. Or verse, uh, verse 12. You know, these, these things, these, these positions that are listed, that are given to us for teaching, we receive instruction, of course, from God's Word. We've re received those, those uh, teachings, those writings from apostles, from the prophets. We receive that now from evangelists, from elders, from teachers. For what? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Perfecting here does not mean so that we can become someone that makes absolutely no mistake, so that we do everything exactly right all the time. That's not what this means. Perfecting here means completely furnishing. It means equipping. So we receive teaching. We have God's Word so that we can become something so that we can become completely equipped completely furnished for what for the work for the work of the ministry ministry is service and we need to spend our life our whole lives getting to that point so that we can be, you know, a real workman using God's Word and applying that Word so that we can be of service to the church, of service to other people, service to the lost, so that we can get involved in that work of the ministry. And for the edifying of the body. The body, of course, is talking about the body of Christ, the church. We all help each other. We all edify one another. We all need one another. As we grow as a congregation, we need to become more perfect, more better equipped as time goes on. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. We're working towards that. We're, we're working towards something, aren't we? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. God's Word and following God's Word, when we're all following the same thing, creates unity. Unity of the faith, a one faith. It creates a knowledge of Jesus Christ. One knowledge. A knowledge that we all, the same knowledge that we all get from God's Word and from correct biblical teaching. Unto a perfect man. Again, not without mistake, but one that's equipped to serve unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our goal is to become like Him, to become like Christ. Now, we can't do that in the flesh, but we try, and we need to spend a lifetime trying. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children. 
Children need milk. Children are young. Children are weak. You know, we can't expect children to go out and just work, uh, you know, a 40-hour week of a, of a grown adult. They're not prepared for that. They're too young for that. They're not strong enough for that. They don't have the, the discipline and the, everything that comes with years to be able to do something like that. But you know, spiritually, we need to be no more children. And we're not talking about years. We're talking about progressing as a children, as a, as a child of God, progressing as a, as a Christian. Not tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. Children are easily deceived, aren't they? We don't just let them go around with any stranger in any place without supervision, without somebody that cares for them and loves them right there close. Spiritually, we can't just be tossed to and fro and so easily deceived. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We need to grow up. We need to mature spiritually so that we can handle all those things, so we can handle the world, so that we can handle all the false teachings, so that we can handle all the deception that's in the world. Grow up. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You know, the church is strong when every part, every member is strong and doing their thing. And you know, we all have different things, don't we? But we all need each other. We all need everybody doing their part because you're going to strengthen me. By just being here and spending time worshiping with me, you strengthen me and I need you. We need each other. Is, is there something we need to change? Is there something we need to grow in so that we can be that part that's supplying what the body needs? Verses 17 through 19 goes on to describe the unbelieving Gentiles. They don't believe in God. They just give themselves over to, to, to lust, to lasciviousness. And then in verse 20, it says, But you have not so learned Christ. If so, be that you have learned Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Is there something we need to change? Is there something we need to put off? When we become Christians, we need to be, we need to become that new creature. But part of that is getting rid of the bad. Sometimes there's those, that sin in our life that we just we hang on to. For whatever reason, regardless of the misery that it often brings us, we just hang on to it. We won't let it go. We won't put it off. We need to make a change if that's the case. 
verses 23 and 24 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I spoke a few weeks ago about the heart and guarding our heart. And I talked to some about this verse and, you know, renewing the spirit of our mind. Of course, our mind and our heart, that's talking about the same thing, our will, things we think and do. Do we need to renew it? As we begin this new year, is there something we need to change in the spirit of our mind, in our heart? Is there something we need to put on? Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, we've heard it said, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just don't know what His will is for me. We can find it in God's Word. And when we give ourselves over to Him and we're transformed from the world. Transformed made the change from one form to another. A form of a person that's just going to serve self, that's thinking about number one, to a different form. A different kind of person that doesn't put self first, but puts others first, puts the church first, has a total different way of thinking. Does best not to uh, just please self by, by committing sin, but realize the effect it has on other people. Realize the effect on eternity that sin has. And is transformed, not worried about what the world is doing, what the world wants us to be, but having that new mind that we may prove. That's how we, we can know. That's how we can know what God's Word is when we're truly transformed. We seek His Word. We listen to teaching from Christians. And we apply it to our lives. We'll have no doubt what God's will is for our life. That acceptable and perfect will of God. That should happen when we obey the gospel. Romans 6 and 4 says, Therefore we are buried with Him in baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. You know, if you've never done that, that's a definite change you need to make in your life. You need to make that transformation. That begins by hearing God's Word, believing it, and being obedient to that gospel being buried with Him by baptism and raised to walk that newness of life. Verse 25, back in Ephesians 4, says, Wherefore, because of this, it's going to get into specifics. Wherefore, put in away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands that thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We've got specific, haven't we? What do we need to change? What do we need to put off? What's that thing that we need to get rid of our life we know is holding our, us back? We know that it's a constant struggle, but we haven't done what we need to do to really put it off. We need to make that change and do everything we can in our power and with the help of the church and God and Jesus Christ to put that thing off. What do we need to add? See, as we get rid of these things, we need to add these good things. What do we need to add to our lives? As we mentioned, change is hard. You know, sometimes we have changes thrown upon us that, that we don't ask for. And sometimes we have changes of jobs that we didn't really plan on. Sometimes we have financial crunches that come upon us that we, we didn't know, we didn't see coming. Health issues, family issues, maybe moving to a different place, major changes in life. Makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes it causes some pain and some sadness. You know, but that's really not the things that the changes that we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the changes that we need to encourage us to do better, to grow. Positive changes in our life. And to meet those changes that come with that. Sometimes we just have to slow down. Think about where we are. Think about where we want and change direction. You know, we have some examples that we'd like to look at this morning. We're going to begin with Abraham. In Hebrews 11th chapter, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. You know, by faith Abraham did something. We know we've been taught many, many times if you've been a part of this congregation. Faith is hearing God's word and doing it in obedience. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, he sojourned. He heard God's word, and he did it. Genesis 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land thou will show thee. You think that would be terrifying? And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Abraham, I want you to go. I want you to go into a land that's different, that's dangerous. 
You're going to leave your father's house. You're going to have to leave your home. You're going to have to leave your friends, leave the things you know, the security of home, and you're going to have to go into the unknown. But, I'm going to make your name great. His name and family would be great. He would have many descendants are promised. And that the whole world would be blessed by Him doing this thing. It's the same with us when we are obedient to God. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. We're going to have to shake loose of just that neutrality sometimes that we're just, that we're just stuck in and not moving forward and get determined and pray and get help from the church and God to move forward, to grow. Galatians 3, verse 7 says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham? And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Said Abraham, not, not just your physical children, not just the children, your descendants by blood, but this gospel is going to allow the whole world to be blessed in any that are faithful will be called your children. Faithful Abraham, as he's called. What about Moses? Hebrews 11th chapter, verse 24, says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses had it all. According to the world standard, he had it all. He had riches, he had fame. By faith, he made a big change. He heard and understood what God expected of him. He knew what God expected of him. And he did it. After living that lavish life, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. How much faith did that take for him to do? Choosing by faith to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches. Reproach means to express disapproval or disappointment. So he would rather the world be disappointed and disrespectful and uh, disapproval and all those things that come, the suffering that would come. He esteemed that greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. That's that transformation, isn't it? 
We need to see that heavenly kingdom in our sights. We need to always have that eternal perspective knowing that whatever, however hard this life is, whatever comes up, I need to continue to do the right thing. I need to continue to put off that thing that I struggle with and I know I need to put off. And I need to put on that thing that I need, I know I need to do to grow. What about the rich young ruler? Matthew 19, verse 16. It says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things I have kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here we have a young man who had it all. Sound familiar? He had the riches. He had the power. He had the youth. According to the world standards, he had it all. Seemed like a good guy. Said he'd followed these commandments. Commandments that, that the people that are sitting in this congregation, you know, strive their lives to, to follow. But he asked a very important question, didn't he? What lack I yet? What's lacking? What do I need to change? What do I need to change this year? What do you need to change this year? What's different about your life that you need that's causing you to lack? causing me to lack this young man didn't want to change he knew about Jesus he wanted eternal life had worked to keep the commandments but there was still something really really important to him that was standing between him and God between him and following Christ Something that he lacked. And he wouldn't give it up. He held on to that thing that prevented his growth. That prevented him from going forward. He didn't make that change. He kept on lacking what he was like, what he lacked. As far as we know, we'll never be heard from again. How sad. Right there with Jesus, knowing who Jesus was, knowing what Jesus offered, wanting to know what he lacked, learning what he lacked, but refusing to change it. What did it bring him? He went away sorrowful. 
if there's something between us and God, between us and following Jesus, we need to give it up. We need to put it off. And there's something we need to add to our life that's doing the same thing. We need to add it. We need to start doing that thing to grow, to be stronger. Peter. Matthew 4, verse 18, says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto him, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. We like to identify with Peter, don't we? He's easy for us to identify with. Because he wasn't perfect in the fact that you know, making no mistakes. We know that he made those mistakes. You know, he, he failed when he walked on the water. He, he denied Christ. And, and we see, although a great man, we see the mistakes. And it's easy for us to identify with that. He wasn't perfect. But he was changed for sure. He was changed for sure. He left everything and he followed Christ. And it was Peter who boldly preached that first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost that changed the world. He would go on to give his life for the cause of Christ. Peter did this because of his faith and made a great change in his life. Went from a fisher of fish to a fisher of men and changed the world through Jesus and by the help of God. You know, by faith, Moses chose. Moses chose. He made a decision. And he chose to change. He allowed his faith to drive him. Is our life going to drive our faith or is our faith going to drive our life? We want a faith, but we want it convenient. We want our life to drive our faith, or do we want our faith to drive our life? I was visiting with somebody just this uh, last week or two, talking about a loved one of theirs that was part of this particular religion because they could do what they wanted to on Saturday and not feel bad about it on Sunday. Talk about a faith of convenience. Or does our faith drive our decisions, drive what we do, everything we think, everything we say, everything we do? Are we in control of it? Or does it control us? Our faith should control us because there are tremendous blessings to those who will be transformed, to those who will change. Matthew 5 and verse 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you want a full life? Do you want fulfillment? Do you want to feel fulfilled? Do you want to feel safe and secure in your salvation? Do you want to be happy? That's what this word blessed means here. We need to hunger and thirst for righteousness, not after whatever this world offers that's getting in our way. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 7. 
Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. Does the appearing of Christ make us nervous? Do we question our salvation if He came right now? Would we be worried if it came tomorrow? Before that calendar changes to 2020? Would we be nervous? Because we know there's something lacking? Or do we love His appearing? Love here means welcome. Well pleased with. Do we welcome the coming of Christ? Are we well pleased with the coming of Christ? Are we comfortable as Paul was in his salvation? Come. I've finished. And I know the reward for me. It's there. I believe it. I've lived by faith and I'm ready. What a wonderful blessing we have as the children of God. Not that we're without mistake, but we can be perfect. We can be Furnished, completely furnished with all that we need to have this. Matthew 5 and verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say manner of evil, all manner of evil against you, for my sake. Blessings come with change. That doesn't mean that the change is not scary. It doesn't mean that the change is easy. Change is hard. It just is. But we need to make the change because blessings will follow those that will be transformed. What might this look like? What might the change in our life look like? Well, it might be better church attendance. You know, we can't grow and know that perfect will of God without being taught God's Word, without studying our own and being taught. We've already mentioned this morning about what we get, what I get from every one of you by meeting with me here. I need every one of you. I need you here. You're an encouragement to me. You edify me. We all edify each other. It's one of the great blessings we have of coming together. We'll be stronger when we're together. It might mean inviting others to the services. Those people that we've had contact with, but we haven't gone on to that next level of a spiritual conversation and, and make a difference in somebody's life. Maybe it means giving more. Maybe we've been abundantly blessed. I know I have. We received two letters this morning. Thank you letters from evangelists. Thanking for the help that you have provided by your generous giving. There's so many evangelists that we have to support and so much work to do and so much more we can do with the help of your finances. Maybe it's finding ways to be involved, to serve the church. 
to serve the lost. Maybe it's training our children. Maybe you know as a parent, you know you can do more. Maybe there's something you, you, you have lacking there. You know you can make a difference. Maybe it's more love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe a grudge that we have against a brother or sister that's just holding us back, that affects us in the, from the, in the services, affects how we treat them, affects so many things when we have some hidden grudge or uh, a negative attitude towards a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe as we've talked about, it's one of those things that we need to give up. Maybe there's a secret sin or an addiction that we need to put off. Maybe as we mentioned, that old grudge or that a negative attitude towards somebody that's just keeping us from growing spiritually. And it will. We've got to deal with these things. Maybe it's a greater faith to persevere through a difficult situation, relationship, or problem. These things come at us and they're hard. And we need help. And we need to do something different to help us deal with them. In Ephesians, the third chapter, we read this prayer of Paul's for the church. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is, is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth all understanding, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto Him... That is able to exceed, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Is your life stuck in neutral? Is your spiritual life stuck in neutral? Have we not been growing like we need? Think about this prayer. Go back and read this prayer that Paul had for the church. That's what Paul prayed that we would have, and we can have this, and you can have this. This fulfillment. This confidence in Christ. Confidence that you need to get through this life that's hard. Ephesians 5 and 15. So seeing then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days of evil circumspectly means carefully thoughtfully purposefully walking here means how we live we need to live carefully and thoughtfully and purposefully everything we say and do needs to have a purpose to help us grow to get stronger to be a light to the world to bring glory to God to serve Him and if we need to make that change now is the time. We need to redeem the time. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know if we've got that change of tearing off December and going to January. I don't know if we've got it or not. And you don't know. 
Colossians 4 and verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. We come in contact with those that are outside the ark of safety, outside the church, every day. And we need to conduct ourselves as children of God, living by faith, so that they can see it. And we need to take advantage of the time that we have to do that, to make the changes that we need to make in our life. Maybe you have a need in your life. You've never made that greatest change in becoming a child of God. If you've never done that, you've been properly taught, we'd invite you to come and do that this morning. Confess Christ before this audience. Repent of your past life. Be buried with Him by baptism. And become that new person. Maybe you've done like that. Maybe there's something lacking in your life. And you need help with that. And you'd like the prayers of the church. We'll ask you to come as we stand and sing.